welcome back, everybody. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. I am Nate Johnstone here, as always, with Paul Anderson. Hi. Hey, Paul. So, last week, we started a topic that we both really, really like, which is hearing the voice of God for other people, which is what the Apostle Paul in the New Testament referred to as prophecy. Um, we talked about how that word can have baggage for people. So try not to think about what you think of as prophecy necessarily. We're talking about what the Apostle Paul actually meant when he used that word prophecy, which in a real simplistic way of looking at it is simply hearing God for other people. And let's keep, continue that topic now. Um, Paul's got some good, some good stories and anecdotes about that. So why don't you let us have those? Here we go. So our daughter, Karis, said as a teenager, I used to think that prophecy was something important speakers did at conferences. Now I understand it more simply. You say what you see. Isn't that interesting? Karis mm-hmm. was taking prophecy out of the realm of the extraordinary and bringing it to the ordinary. When a well-known prophet delivers a right-on message, stunningly accurate, probably no one in the audience is saying, I could do that. (laughs) But when a team of young people from Norway spoke prophetic words at the store to strangers, and my daughter was along with a few others from our young adult group, then she said, I'm in. Isn't that wonderful? Mm Mm-hmm. If we want to demystify prophecy, we need to take it from the rarefied air of the super-spiritual down to the level of regular Christians. We also take it from conferences and put it in homes and shopping malls and small groups like you did with your group. Paul said, and I quote, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for, listen to these three things, they're strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And what was the reference there? 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Thank you. So when my friend Jamie spoke on prophecy at a young adult conference, he told us that Jesus was full of grace and it came out through his mouth. We don't have to look for dark clouds to give an authentic word. If you receive a negative word for someone, like a problem with pornography, you might say, God is for you. He wants to bring victory, not shame. Or if you know the person, you might ask, we all face battles. Are you fighting and not winning some where I could maybe help you fight? Jesus could have found plenty of baggage in Matthew's life. But he called him to his destiny in two simple words. Follow me. Jesus looked past his faults to his future. I love that phrase. Mm -hmm. Prophecy is more about people's potential than their past. Although a gentle word about their past may help unlock their future. Jesus spoke to the shamed and the guilty and said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Prophecy is not meant to shock people into silence, but to give them mm. hope in Jesus, the ultimate focus of prophecy. And I like that because there was a time I remember as a young person filled with the Spirit, wanting to learn how to prophecy, that I felt a prophetic word was going to jar somebody. It was going to get their attention and maybe shock them. So I'm thankful for these words where it's, mm -hmm. it speaks of a gentleness. Yeah. It, when, if we're going to encourage them or comfort them or strengthen them, it's probably going to be a positive word rather than a negative word. Mm -hmm. That's good. The Corinthians struggled with immaturity in their relationships and needed to learn how to see the positive in others. So, here are a few guidelines to keep prophecy simple and constructive, especially for those of us that are learning to prophesy. Number one, say what you see. And that was what Kara said. You see it, you say it. You don't need to spend a long time praying. Speak naturally <laughs> and deliberately. God will give you more to affirm as you step out in faith. I once asked a well-known prophet who was at our conference, and we had a time for leaders and pastors, and I was having lunch with them in our, in our circle, and I said, uh, how much do you get when you step out like you just did and prophesy? How much do you get in advance? And he said, people would be surprised. They'd probably be shocked if they knew how little we get in advance. We get an impulse. We get a thought. We get an impression. And we've learned by faith that as we step into it, that God will give us more. I've learned the same. That's my experience too. Yeah. 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 And so we have to learn how to do it in faith. He that prophesies, Paul says in the same chapter, we prophesy according to our faith. So as our faith grows, our prophetic gifting will grow as well. So first thing, see what, say what you see. Second thing, address the future. I love this because at first I was looking to address something in their life or in their past. Hmm. Make them feel guilty, I'm sorry to say that there was, there was something strange in me about that. Speak to where people are going more than to where they have been. Give them hope for what God is doing. Don't you love that? The Spirit's fruit of gentleness will be seen in prophecy that encourages. Third thing, keep it simple. If you think prophecy will be complicated or hard, it will be. If you think it will be easy, it is. And these kids that came from Norway, who have been schooled in the prophetic, came and took some of our gang with them. They were very natural about how they did it. They said, hey, let me share something with you. They'd go up to a stranger. You know, you mind if I share something with you? I just had a, a thought, and I'd like to run it by you and see what you think. And Cara saw them do it, and she said, well, I'd like to do that. Jesus loves making things easy that people find hard. And that's, that's why I shared that thing about Fred last 
last time we talked, I said that Fred encouraged people by saying, start this way. The Father loves you. Say it to people. The Father loves you and says to you, and then he's going to give you something to say to them. When prophecy is motivated by love, it builds up rather than tearing down. The more you grow in love, the greater your potential to prophesy. I love that. Also, prophecy is a supernatural gift to be desired, not a natural ability to be cultivated. Since we prophesy according to our faith, as we grow in faith, we grow in the exercise of the prophetic gift. When Paul said, you can all prophesy, he wasn't speaking to veterans. So, if you're listening, you may be next. If you're listening, you can prophesy. Yes. I I think some of our listeners probably agree with that. They probably already did. Others are probably like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get the whole, like, you can all prophesy, sort of like God loves everybody. But, come on. I mean, this isn't something that I could actually do. But we're saying... No, you actually could do this for real. We're not joking. And I, I, I can't tell you how many people, because I haven't counted, but it's a lot of people that we've talked to over the years individually as well as, as we've done these seminars and conferences together that for afterwards, they, this is the first time I've ever done this in my life. And it, I, they, couldn't, they can't believe how easy it was. All, all I did was pray and I thought well maybe this and I said it and they're like yes and then as I started talking I, I, I thought of something else and then I thought of something else and, and and all of a sudden they're really encouraged and I can't even believe it like they're they're astonished at the fact that the earth didn't quake they didn't <laughs> quiver and shake as they did it they didn't feel the fire of heaven fall and burn them in a good way. They, they didn't feel the cold cleanse their lips. They didn't feel any of this religious stuff. Um, nobody fell over. You know, no, nobody did anything bizarre or weird. They said it in English, not in the King James. And they're, they're, they're surprised so often at how simple it is, how easy it is. And I like these three things that you just talked about. Say what you see, address the future, keep it simple. Can I give a story? Yeah, please. An hour out of Detroit, at a country church, a lot of farmers. I did what you did. We talked about last week. We listened for ourselves, and they gave that a try, and they did okay. I asked them to share. Some of them shared, not too many. I said, okay, we're going to step up one, one bit, and we're going to listen for the another person. So find another person, connect, and you're going to do the same thing, only going to listen for them instead of yourself. And I found out what you found out, that almost everybody could do it. And then I said, now I'm going to you to share what you heard. As they started sharing, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing these farmers wiping their eyes. Because their friends that they know that they wouldn't call spiritual giants are saying things really wonderful and sometimes powerful about this person that they just listen for. 
they were prophesying. I didn't use the word, but they were hearing dynamic, beautiful, powerful words. And it got them very emotional. Mm. And so I want to say to you folks, you can do this. Even if it's new for you, you can do it. That's a great example. I love that. And it's it's true. And that's why we're trying to demystify this. Mm-hmm. Like even the word prophecy, I, I, I don't like using it. Yeah. Because it just, it throws up that roadblock. People's religious roadblocks come up. I was raised to da 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 You know, my, I, my church believes that, you know, about prophecy. And it's like, okay, you know, great. How about you let all that go for a sec and just <laughs> listen yeah. to the creator of the universe who wants to actually tell you something for your friend who's really hurting. Yeah. And if he tells you, and, and if he wants to tell you and you're not listening, then how, how is he going to get it through to them? I mean, God did make a donkey talk once, <laughs> so I guess it's possible, but I feel like that's pretty rare. I feel like... I hope so. Typically, he uses other people to give those kind of words. Why is it that you and I have both seen this consistently that we listen better for others? I don't know. I, I, I'm still, I'm still wondering. I'm still wondering about that. I think, I think it. My, my, my theory is that there's a couple things behind this. I think one reason is when we're listening to God for ourselves. And Paul and I have, we have a lot of different exercises. Sometimes I'll give people scripture and I'll say, read the scripture and write down what you think God is saying to you right now about this scripture. The now word of God, the Rhema word of God through this scripture. Or we'll give them specific prayers to ask God. God. You know, do, is there anyone I need to forgive? People will just wait, listen, and we'll tell them, just write down anybody that comes to your mind. Don't try to figure it out right now if it's true or not. Just write it down. And we do those kind of exercises, and then we have people go and look over these things and be like, all right, now what do I think? Is this, are these people I need to forgive? Well, probably. Then I guess I should do that, shouldn't I? Um, and, but sometimes when we're listening for ourselves, we get very critical. And that's that's why when I go through those exercises mm-hmm. with people, I say, take off your thinking cap. I need you to turn off the cognitive part of your brain for a minute and just open your ears, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Open the eye of your heart mm-hmm. to listen. That's what I want you to do now, and I don't want you to think about it. Because the problem is we overthink things. And so a word might come from God, and we go, mm, is that God? I don't know. I don't know. And we, 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 we struggle so much over the minutia of whether or not it's God and trying to interpret yes. and discern yes. when we should simply be listening. Yes. See, yes, first yes. you listen, mm-hmm. then you discern, is this God or not? Then you interpret, what does this mean? And if, you're, if it's a word for someone else, you probably don't interpret at all. And we might talk about that later. But you listen and discern, is this of God? And should I share it now, which is a whole other thing, which we can talk about later. Just because God gives you a word for someone doesn't mean you should share it right now. Maybe that's just, maybe he's just giving you that knowledge so you can pray for that person. We need to ask God, should I share this with this person? Because sometimes it's uh, the wrong setting or the wrong time, especially if it's a negative word. And we've said that before. Mm -hmm. You don't never want to give a negative word in public. Um, and even privately, you need to be really sure that that's something God wants you to give and to give it now. Otherwise, it could just be God's informing you so that you can pray for that person. And I think that personally, I think most of the time that we get things like that for other people that are a little more negative, I think most of the time it's probably for us to pray for them. Mm-hmm. And then God might have us go in and 
encourage them, um, as you were saying before. But I think that we overanalyze the words that are coming to us. Yeah. Because we I know ourselves right. so well. I mm-hmm. know myself well. I think I know myself well, maybe I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know myself very well. So when I hear a potential word, I'm, I'm really analyzing that. So I'm not sure if I'm willing to step out and say anything. Whereas if I'm praying for a stranger, which usually in these meetings, they're strangers or acquaintances. They're not close friends, spouses. We actually tell people, don't do this with your, like in this particular meeting right now, when we're doing this right now. I want spouses and families to separate. Let's do it with strangers just for fun, right? And that also proves to them, I'm not just saying this because I happen to know that you need a new car. Yes. Or because I happen to know you're going through a hard time. Um, When it's strangers, then whatever they get is that much more beautiful because you you really know it's God. And that builds faith. And that's what we're trying to do in these meetings is build faith. And so when you're listening to it for a stranger, you have no context. And so you have no idea, is this true or not? I don't know. So let's just give it a shot. Who cares? You're more relaxed, actually. You're more relaxed. Speaking with somebody else. You're more relaxed and you're not overanalyzing it. I think that might be one of the reasons. And that should encourage us that our experience says that you can do it. Mm -hmm. People can do this. People that do not have a longstanding charismatic background or uh, acquaintance with the gifts of the Spirit can learn to listen oh, yeah. and speak very encouraging yeah. words. In, and, and, and maybe some people will find this controversial, but in most of the times that I've done this, I would say at least half the people in the room are not what mm-hmm. people would call quote-unquote Spirit-filled. Yes. Holy Spirit-baptized, fire-baptized, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. <laughs> right? Uh, most of the people in the room were not that. Mm-hmm. And yet, they heard authentic words from God that they gave to other people. And this is why the Bible is actually true when it says, you can all prophesy. It's not just for some people. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for five-fold ministry, whatever that means. It's not just for spirit-filled. And this is this is one of the one of the areas where, and this is maybe a bigger topic than we can broach right now. I'll do a thirty-second version. The First Corinthians twelve gifts um, is not an exhaustive list, first of all, but it, it talks about specific gifts, which is above and beyond the norm for Christian life. But any Christian can experience any of those gifts at any time. You do not have to have the gift of healing to pray for someone to be healed. And I think all Christians know that instinctively because all Christians have prayed for someone to be healed. Yes. All Christians have done that. Most do not have the gift of healing. You don't have to have the gift of healing to pray for someone to be healed or to see them healed. You don't have to have the gift of wisdom for God to give you wisdom. That's why the Bible says if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God who gives generously and without finding fault. God gives wisdom to everyone. He speaks to everyone. You don't have to have the gift of prophecy to hear God speak. And you don't have to have the gift of prophecy to hear God speak for someone else. Now, Every Christian can do that. Every single one. It doesn't have anything to do with the gifts of the Spirit. Now, beyond that, beyond the normal Christian, everybody gets to play this game. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, there is a next level, which I would call the spiritual gifts, the 1 Corinthians 12 spiritual gifts. And that is a special gift. This is something that is beyond what everybody else can do. And that is what I think Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. And so if you have a gift of faith, you have extraordinary faith beyond what all the average Christian maybe has accessible to them. 
Same with healing, prophecy, etc. Now, I think that many of those gifts, God gives quite freely and quite liberally. A lot more so than we think. Mm -hmm. You know, we might think only a few people have these gifts, but in actuality, he's willing, I think, to give just about all of us a lot of these gifts, more than we think. But even apart from those highly gifted, let's call them individuals, every Christian can play here in this sandbox with all these toys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't mean that flippantly when I say these toys. That was just an analogy. But um, we can all do this. We can all pray for healing. We can all receive wisdom from God. We can all receive knowledge. We can all prophesy. This is something that every spirit who has the whole, every Christian who has the Holy Spirit can do. And every Christian has the Holy Spirit. We all have Amen. the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And this is another one of these charismatic versus non-charismatic or spirit-filled versus non-spirit-filled kind of issues. Listen, folks, just, just to make it very, very clear. Every Christian has the Spirit of God living in them, period. Mm -hmm. That's why you're called a Christian. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have the Spirit of God inside you, you're not a Christian. But if you have received Christ into your heart, then God placed you in Christ, and he placed his Spirit in you. Right on. Period. That's right at on. the end of John. Jesus breathes on them. Let me do a charismatic thing. <sighs> Jesus breathes on them. Very charismatic thing for Jesus to do. He breathes on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why did he do that? Because breath and spirit are the same word in Hebrew. Ruach is breath, spirit, same word. And so Jesus is breathing his breath, God, breathing his breath, his spirit into them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he wasn't just being weird for the sake of being weird. There was actually a point to his breathing on them. Um, but it was probably still really weird for them to see. Um, and so you receive the Holy Spirit. That was before Pentecost. So we receive the Holy Spirit. That's before Pentecost happened. So people already had the Spirit of God living inside them. All believers have the Holy Spirit living inside them. Therefore, all believers can hear from the Holy Spirit and can operate in the activity of the Holy Spirit, which is the ministry of Christ on the earth, the body of Christ, uh, doing what it is that Jesus did while he was here. Everybody can be involved in that. Some might be really gifted at it, have a, have a true gift, and that's great. But a lot of people automatically rule themselves, oh, I don't have that gift. I don't have that gift. I just don't. No, that's actually, you're wrong. <laughs> you can prophesy. Good it, sermon, Pastor. It doesn't have to be a gift thing. Yep, with you all the way. So hopefully that clears maybe a couple things up. Cause, and, and, you know, this stuff does get a little difficult. It gets mm -hmm. a little difficult to understand, mm -hmm. especially if it's not your background. So why don't, why don't we actually pause there? I think that's a good natural pausing point. Um, and we will come back again next week and continue this discussion. Hopefully you are enjoying this as much as we are, and we will see you again next week. God bless.